Hello and welcome to part four of our series looking at creation, how we engage with it and how we understand God through it too. I'm going to be looking at a, a verse from some verses from Matthew and talking a little bit about them and how we might understand something of the biblical and theological uh, message that we might take from it. And then, as previously, I'll be handing over to Ruth, uh, Ruth Levitt, whose studies have been a key part in putting this series together. So let's pray and then we'll read this short passage. Lord, we want to recognise the enormous goodness of your gift to us of creation. And we want to get everything from it that you offer to us. Would you help us to mine deeply in the seams of your compassion, your goodness and your grace? Amen. So from Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, we hear this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God's love for us is not an ethereal thing. It's a practical thing. It's a doing thing. God is forever working with physical and practical things to bring goodness to us. That that tendency is first seen in creation in Genesis 1, but it runs all the way through. It's a thread that runs through the whole of the story of God's interaction with humanity. We see it particularly, and we celebrate it particularly, in the work that Jesus did. His life and ministry, the things he talked about and taught, but also in his sacrificial death, with all that it means and all that it achieves, and in his resurrection too, as he makes new life possible for us. All of those things are practical expressions of the love of God. Now you will have your own experiences of how God shows his love to you, or how you experience the love that he is offering. For me, a big part of recognising how he has given comes in my experience of creation. Right now, behind me, you can see headland up there. So we've got some blue anchor uh, and coming across, we've got some higher bits, which is the contacts. And we go all the way across to there and we start heading out towards where you could see Hinkley Point if the, um, if the camera's arranged differently. Have I got those things the right way around? It's the same thing, but it, it goes from there to there. It's the light is quite bright. Anyway, there's a lot of stuff back there that I have walked I've walked on high places and shady places. I even did the coastal walk before it got closed. And there are lots of ways in which I come away from that kind of experience feeling revived and blessed and um, tired, but in ways I feel good about, you know, appropriately and healthily tired from having done something. God has provided me with the means of renewal uh, and of rest and of lightness of spirit and he's done those things in lots of ways partly through the people that he's put in my life partly through um, the work of his holy spirit partly through the the things i cling on to about the gifts that jesus has given me not least that sacrificial death and resurrection that we spoke about a moment ago he gives very practically now he does he does give him supernatural ways too we pray and we see 
outcomes and answers to those prayers. And very often that's a supernatural process, but there is lots of ways in which God gives to us in practical, physical ways. Now, we started off this sequence by saying that we recognise God likes physical things. He likes making them and sharing them with us. He does like to express his love to his children, to his humanity, who he made to be like him. Jesus offers us, amongst all the other gifts, rest, and purpose and a sense of belonging. Those things are key to our experience of being humanity. In the Lord's Prayer, in Matthew 6, Jesus asks us, suggests to us, encourages us to ask for practical help, real responses to real-life circumstances. Now, within our culture, there is a real need for practical answers and, and physical responses and, and physical needs that need to be met. And that comes in lots of ways. When somebody we know and love is unwell, we want to pray for that supernatural intervention in their life, that they would be well and whole. But we also pray for physical help. So we, we pray that God will provide the expertise in medicine around that person. Can you see that, how there's a there's a way in which God provides for us in very physical ways, as well as in supernatural ways. God does promise us rest. Jesus says, come to me, as we read earlier, or come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He longs for us to know a sense of peace. Let's not forget that one of the key gifts of the creation narrative is time with him and rest from labour. Those things are an essential part of how God cares for us. They're gifts that he has already given. And I wonder whether part of what we see in the world around us, in the culture around us, is that some of those good things that we are given, we don't take hold of. Physical help that we're offered, we kind of forget that it's there or we don't engage. Now, the culture around us is more and more becoming aware secular as it might be, of the benefits, the health benefits, physical and mental health, of nature. So more and more psychologists are saying, and physical doctors too, um, I'll say physicians are saying, uh, being healthy is easier if you spend more time outside and doing outdoor things, engaging with nature, connecting with the natural world. There's even a concept called nature deficit disorder, summarises what someone's life might be like and, and the quality of life they have when they don't engage in nature at all. So you get all these things and, and we get them from a, a secular psychology understanding. Now, I'm a big fan of psychology. It's been enormously beneficial to me in recent months as I've responded to my own mental health challenges. But I'm aware that there's a really strong secular understanding of the benefit of nature. And against that backdrop, it seems entirely appropriate for us to say we believe that nature isn't just the thing that happens. It's a gift, it's creation that God gives us. And that if engaging in nature is good for people, physically and uh, mentally or emotionally, then surely if it's good for us, then this is a, an example of how all good things come from God. 
that where we see something is good for us, we recognise that God is behind that. So nature deficit disorder is a, is a really sad thing that happens that, that lots of adults and children in our nation and across the Western world particularly struggle with. Most of them without even realising that that's what's happening. We have a God who's given us these things and we're aware that he's given them. And we are invited to have rest and to have our weariness uh, eased. And we know that we've been given something good that enables us to take hold of those benefits, of those blessings that God provides for us. Jesus, you see in the, in the New Testament, in, his, in the gospel message, encourages us to see that nature, creation, doesn't fret, it doesn't worry. Do, do, the, do the plants worry about looking pretty? No. God's clothed them and they look fabulous. Do the birds worry about where their next meal is coming from? No, because God's providing it. So there's a kind of unfretting uh, characteristic to creation, except when it comes to humanity. And we get anxious. And we have access to creation, which God has given us as a response to that. It's almost like God prescribes creation to us as a medicine for our soul. So when Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, he's not just saying, spend time with me and I will calm your fears and I will help you feel peaceful and, and soothe your mind. He's also saying, come to me as I am in creation. Come to me in all the ways in which I've expressed myself. Because in that, you will find rest. Not instead of, but as well as. That we are offered a relationship with Jesus and also access to the greatest therapeutic, created thing there could be. Part of our relationship with God is our relationship with the provision he gives us. Every person that he puts in our lives who is good for us, they are a gift from a God who loves us and wants to demonstrate practical help. Part of our relationship then with God is recognising, accepting and engaging with all the goodness that he gives us, all the blessings that he offers us, and not feeling guilty about all the good things he gives us, but embracing them and allowing ourselves to be blessed by them too. Just want to go back to that question we've asked a couple of times before at the end of sessions. God calls us, Jesus says specifically, that we are to love God and love our neighbour. How might we do that? Well, in this instance, we can love people by encouraging them to see, to recognise and accept the gifts that God has given them. Gifts that bless them and which give them rest. Gifts that lift some of the burden. Gifts that help us to be the humanity God intended. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this invitation to know rest in you. We ask that we would take hold of that in spiritual and supernatural terms, but we'd also take hold of it in practical terms too, that we would accept that you are a God who gives lovingly to us things that we need, physical things and practical things. Would you help us to embrace the wellness that you offer as we connect with creation, as we play our part in it, but also as we just receive it as well. Amen.
And now over to Reese. Thank you, Mike. It's great to be with you today for our final session on creation and the creator. I want to start with a quote by a man called Bree Stanley. Nature is a doorway into the other than human world, which is more than plants and animals. It reveals secrets about its creator and it's somewhere God can speak to us. Nature is a sacred space. In our first week, we talked about creating a sit spot or somewhere that we would regularly go and walk. And I wonder how that's going. Have you managed to identify somewhere? Maybe it's something you've managed to practice quite a bit already. And I just wonder what you've been noticing. Are there things you're seeing that you've not seen before? Just in this last month, have you seen things grow and transform as you've been visiting the same place? And have you had those moments of awe? Those moments of realising that nature is a sacred place. It's a place where God is and God can reveal his character to you. I often think about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and I wonder what life was like for them. I wonder about whether they would have been cold or hot or whether they would have had somewhere to shelter. Maybe they didn't need shelter, maybe the environment was quite different from the extremes that we know now. But the way that we live life now we have managed to remove ourselves quite successfully, successfully from the natural world and from the rhythms of um, the seasons and the rhythms of the day and uh, we can now be managing quite well within our little homes we can do our washing and we can get things dry inside and we can put on a light when it gets dark and actually whether it's summer or winter or day or night makes little difference to um, or doesn't need to make a difference to how we live we can live apart from those rhythms and that's one of the reasons that I love camping. And I love that when you go out and you start camping, that actually a lot of um, those sort of things that hide the rhythms of the day um, are gone. And there's that first night of chaos when you think, oh no, it's suddenly got dark and you go into the tent and where's my torch? I can't find anything. But actually you then settle into the rhythm of um, waking when it's light and going to sleep when it gets dark or appreciating things like the moon rising and the sun setting. Maybe if you've camped near the sea, then you're becoming more aware of the tides daily and the times and the heights that they come and how that changes each day. Although I am always quite pleased to get home to be able to put on the tap again and not have to walk to somewhere to fill, fill it up, um, my container up. But um, those moments of, that you've spent in nature have really helped you to grow, I think, in that connection. I've got another quote for you. Thousands of tired, nerve-shaken, over-civilised people are beginning to find that going to the mountains is going home. Wildness is a necessity. And I think that's how a lot of us feel. But actually, that quote is actually um, from a man called John Muir, um, who was very much involved in the National Parks movement. And it was from 1901. So actually, there's always been that need for us to find that wild place, that wildness. Um, but I think that even more these days, that is becoming necessary for us. 
it's wonderful, as I said, to have all our comforts. And I'm the first one to really enjoy having those things and actually to be quite a fair weather person. Um, but the natural world needs us to understand it, to be involved in it, to understand those rhythms and those seasons in order that we might protect it. The Wildlife Trust says that evidence shows that a thriving wildlife rich environment benefits both physical and mental health. People with nature on their doorstep are more active, mentally resilient and have better all-round health. It's important, isn't it, for our whole self that we have this time in nature. And many, many, much, much research is going on to actually how important the natural environment is for all parts and areas of our life. I've just finished um, a really interesting book called From What Is to What If. Um, looking at where things are now and how they can become something different and I referred to it last week when I talked about using our imagination but there is a whole part in there where it talks about awe which is what we've spoken about isn't it here is these moments in nature which um, create moments of awe and of wonder and this book is actually sharing that how important those moments of awe are not just for us not just for our well-being but actually um, for the whole of society and they've discovered that actually moments in awe, moments in nature um, but also just moments seeing and being involved in um, doing good and positive things to other people um, grows that sense of community and that desire to care for the community and it's actually helping us to be more empathetic, empathetic and compassionate to those around us and so in this world where we're living, where often um, life is quite harsh, quite selfish, quite greedy, these moments of awe are actually creating in people um, a desire to care for others and to reach out for others. So how important it is to have those moments um, where we are in God's presence, being amazed by his creation, and that actually that brings a real selflessness and um, enables us to go back into our everyday with compassion and love for other people. So the thing I want to leave you with um, to consider is are there new rhythms that you can bring into your life to help develop a connection with the natural world? I hope that the idea of a sit spot or a, a walk that you regularly do will be something that you can do. But these are just some of the thoughts, some things that I've done and some that I haven't um, that can help to, to develop that relationship with nature and, and our relationship with God. Um, so I'm just going to list a few of them and uh, one of them is, is the sun, watching the sun. And it seems really obvious, watch its sun and what, watch it rise and watch it set. But actually, um, I've, as I've done this, I've realised it doesn't always rise in exactly the same place. It doesn't always set in exactly the same place. When we were looking for where's the best place to go at Easter to watch the sunrise, um, when, when we then decided to go and watch the sunrise on New Year's Day, we realised that actually we wouldn't, we wouldn't have the best view there. We needed to go to a slightly different place to watch where the sun rose. Watching the moon rise. I love watching the moon rise and it's something that really um, became special to me when my youngest daughter was a baby. And um, I hadn't realised until I had her and I used to sit on the bed feeding her at night before she went to sleep how well you could see the moon rise from our, our window and um, 
and actually how it rose in a little different place and a little bit later each day and I became quite fascinated with um, following when and where it rose. The tides, um, for many of us we will know the pattern of the tides and how that works but learning to observe some of these things just teaches us a little bit more and, and gives us a, a bigger fascination of how amazing God is that he thought this all through and it, as well when you start to follow that along with the phases of the moon and how that affects the tides it's really quite fascinating. Something else you might actually try and do is to grow something. Um, put in a seed, see it grow, see what it does. Plant something that's going to produce some fruit so you get to be able to enjoy the fruits of your labour. Maybe you're going to take up bird watching or butterfly watching. Um, and something that I particularly love to do is when I go out walking is to take pictures and then to come back and draw the things that I've seen. And also quite often when I'm out walking, there is I see things and it sets me on a train of thought. And then um, I have a Bible verse very much in my mind. And uh, I'm just going to show you one page, which is, I have come that they may have life, life in all its fullness. And that's just one page where I thought about abundance. I saw so many things growing up in the path and after some rain, how amazing, um, amazingly transformed the path was. And I was thinking all about abundance. And um, actually that's where a lot of the thoughts for the Welly Boot Church come from. As I go out walking, I take pictures, I see things, I think of Bible verses. And um, that brings me some truth about God that I can then share with other people. And one last thought really is um, something I haven't done, but I often think about. Um, I don't know how popular it would be with the rest of my family, but to have um, a regular evening where we don't use anything um, that uses electricity. So maybe we just have candlelight, we don't watch television. Um, and just learning to live life in a different way, where we're a bit, little bit more removed from technology and a little bit more conscious of the rhythms of things around us. So I hope some of that has been helpful and maybe you already do many of those things. Um, but what I would encourage you is to maybe think of one new thing that you could take up and then to look back in about a month's time and consider, do you think that that's helped you in any way to see more of God? Has it helped you to feel more relaxed, more at peace? Has it given you a deeper sense of wonder? And maybe we can be encouraging each other in our groups with the things that we're learning and the things that we're discovering. Thank you for this opportunity to share some of this, that, of what I've learnt with you. And um, I'd love to talk to anyone more who would be interested um, further about some of what I've learnt and discovered. But um, take care. Thank you.